All right, we have Lauren Alexander here on uh, Feed the Sheep with us this beautiful Monday. Well, it's Friday. We're recording you guys here at Monday, as you already know. Um, Lauren Alexander, tell the people. So, okay, I could give you a little brief rundown. You're going to do it a lot better than I am. But Lauren Alexander <laughs> is one of our, uh, she's been one of our consistent uh, speakers at Revision Conference. Um, and I had to bring her back after the first year because the people just loved you, Lauren. They could not get enough of you. And your spirit is just, it's such a precious spirit. Um, and your excitement, love for, for people, love for women. Um, and I, I, I know that you specifically uh, do women's ministry um, more, more than anything. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so when I was 19 years old, I was called into the ministry and um, through a spirit, through a serious discernment process, I really um, felt called to to minister specifically to women and to build up um, the body of Christ by um, encouraging and equipping women with God's word to help them fall in love with it and to help them apply it to their lives. So um, it's been a fun uh, journey so far, and I love the generation that I get to serve when I go to revision. Um, this generation is just, they're built different. I tell people all the time, um, yeah. they're the generation we've been waiting for. And so to get to uh, give them more insight into God's word, into the scriptures, help them develop a love for um, not only uh, reading it, but also sharing it with the world and using it too, as you like to say, feed the sheep yep. um, is a great passion of mine. So it just energizes me to see this next generation coming up and, and being part of revision has been uh, so much fun for me. It's been a blessing these last few years. Praise the Lord. Hey, um, so we're, let's, let's hear a little bit of background of yourself, whatever you want to share, but like, I know your, your husband's a pastor, right? And yes. And, uh, you have, how many kids you have? You got, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you, I feel like every year you get another, you get another one. So <laughs> that's a, that's a fact. Um, so I live in Bicknell, Indiana, which is outside of the oldest city in Indiana called Vincent's. Um, I live there with my husband, Seth, and he's been pastoring the same church since 2003, um, in one way or another. And, uh, so we have a deep relationship with a church, um, called, uh, first Baptist here in Bicknell. Um, it's right in the middle of, uh, main street. It's in the heart of the city. And, um, we, uh, our mission statement here is that we live to grow Christ's kingdom by passionately sharing his truth and love. And so we try, uh, very, very much to be, um, the not just the the physical heart of the city but also the the spiritual heart of the city and try to uh, serve uh the world uh specifically our community and our kids um that's really the heartbeat of this church is to provide and to um encourage uh the children in our community and we do that in a in a bunch of different ways and uh, maybe someday um i can uh have you have seth on and he can share a little bit yeah. more about our vision and our mission but um along with that we have the tremendous um opportunity and privilege to steward our four children. Um, we have a driver now, Ross, which is crazy. crazy. We have a 16 year old daughter. She is going to be playing in the soccer sectional next week. So wow. I'm officially a soccer mom hey, and awesome. I have the t-shirt to prove it. It says somebody's loudmouth soccer mama on the back. <laughs> so, um, she, 
she uh, is uh, 16 years old. Her name's Tabby, and she loves the Lord. Um, actually, all of my kids love and, and serve the Lord. Um, although they are human, uh, they are also awesome kids. And so um, all of them came to know Jesus inside of our house, which I'm really, uh, really thankful for. Praise um, the Lord. And yeah, so then we have Heather, who's 15, and she is a total girly girl. Uh, she is a freshman in high school now. So I have uh, I have three teenagers because my wow. oldest son is 13. Um, his name is Ty, and um, I'm homeschooling him for the first time for him. I've homeschooled before, but this is his first round, and he's crushing it. So I'm so proud of him. And then uh, we have Elijah Burke, who's 10 years old, and just uh, let's see you at the pool for over 100 kids at his uh, intermediate school. So God's working in their lives. Mm. He's using them. He is uh, stretching us as we parent them. And, um, you know, this is the first time I've been a mom to a teenager, so I'm definitely on the learning curve. But um, our greatest privilege uh, is to is to serve God with our kids. And so we do that often by opening our home up as a foster family. Yeah. And that requires all six of us to give some things up, all six of us to sacrifice and die to ourselves. But I will tell you, it has produced so much fruit in the life of our family. Um, we've become better prayer warriors. We have become hopefully more selfless people. And um, it's really been a gift to them because I know the skills and the things that it has taken to welcome other children into our family has allowed my children to um, hopefully seek God more and shave off some of the things that don't belong. Um, I know it has for me at least. So uh, foster care has definitely been a crucible of praise and sacrifice worship for us that has borne great fruit. So if you have listeners and they are, you know, beginning to think about the future, uh, just, you know, just a, a plug for um, not everybody's called to be a foster parent, but um, certainly we have tremendous opportunity as the body of Christ to um, address the traumas that have been endured by, by children in our community. Yeah. So think about that kids. That's crazy. <laughs> think about that. I feel like it takes yeah. such a, um, such a big heart. Like, so like, I feel like that can just be such a challenge, um, at times. So I pray, I, you know, I commend you and you and, uh, your husband just on, on walking through that, uh, which, which is incredible. So, um, I, I know that, uh, you had mentioned you're, you're walking to a, uh, or you're going to a, not walking. <laughs> I hope you're not walking, going to a, uh, uh, women's ministry event this weekend. Um, but what, what got you started in ministry? I want to know, um, there's, there's going to be listeners here that, that uh, as women, they're curious, like what their role is in ministry, what that looks like. And with, with your, you know, you supporting your husband, but also you have your, your own ministry that you do as well. So like, what does that look like? Where'd you start? How'd you know, uh, that it was, you know, what you were supposed to do? And, and could you just go into that and explain that, uh, for myself and, and those listening? Yes. And, you know, it is, I want to first start off, uh, by saying, if you were listening to this and you were a woman, you have a place in the kingdom of God. You have a yeah. role to fill. Yep. And um, I encourage you and I welcome you uh, in your particular experiences, your your voice. Uh, I welcome you to the table. And more importantly than me, because who cares about me, but God welcomes you yeah. to his table and to his team. And um, you don't have to ride the bench. 
he's got he's got a job for you in the game. So right. um when I was um I think twelve years old, I, I grew up kind of uh kind of in a unique way. Uh, my family ran a Christian bookstore when I was younger and so we served all kinds of churches and all kinds of backgrounds and traditions. And, and I had no idea then, Ross, that God was preparing me to travel and speak because I have experienced about any kind of church service you can, uh, you can experience from a, um, you know, visiting a Catholic mass with, uh, with, uh, people that, that, uh, you know, came to our, 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 uh, bookstore and, and got materials from us to attending, um, you know, a, a charismatic Sunday night service with uh, glory hoops in the back and tambourines in the front. I've yeah. seen it all. And that, um, I had no idea at that time in my life as we made friends with lots of different people in the body of Christ with lots of different doctrines and, and perspectives that, you know, uniting under the name of Jesus, I learned a lot of things about, um, you know, how, uh, how Jesus is, is lifted. And that is when all of his people come together in unity. So I had that very strong foundation. And um, I saw, you know, I heard great teaching when I was growing up, because I was surrounded by, you know, books and materials that pointed to Christ. So I had that going for me. But I will tell you that I never really saw a woman ever preach growing up. I didn't see that. And so when I was like 12 or 13, we had one of those youth services where somebody had to give the message. And of course, nobody wanted to do that. (laughs) And I found myself raising my hand. And then uh, I had my mom and dad read the sermon that I had written, which was, I mean, no doubt, just terrible, just hot garbage, probably (laughs) at that time. But they encouraged me. They were like, Lauren, this is, this is, this is really strong. Um, I'm excited to hear you give that. And then the feedback of my church family was, hey, there's, there you you're you didn't just do this today like you might look to this in the future Mm -hmm. and I was blown away because I had never um ever considered that and so I remember climbing in that pulpit I was Lutheran at the time and um we it wasn't you know four or five years later that we actually left that denomination but I remember everybody just being so encouraging and so loving and and really caused me to go hey maybe there's something to this and um, fast forward a while to um, my high school youth group, which was a non-denominational high school youth group. Um, our youth pastor um, had said, "Hey, I I heard this message, and you guys got to hear it tonight. We're gonna we're gonna watch this." And this lady came on the screen in our in our like the church that we met in. And I sat there and I couldn't sit still. My heart was beating so fast. And I was watching her communicate the gospel in in a very profound way. And nobody had ever heard of this girl before, you know, in the room. Nobody had ever heard of her. But she had been um, traveling with Joyce Meyer on uh, Joyce Meyer's big women's conferences that she does like in St. Louis and, and places like that. And um, they had recorded her message. And I remember saying to God in that moment, as I watched this young dynamo who couldn't have been more than five feet tall, Ross, this girl named Christine Kane that nobody had ever wow. heard of. And I said, if a girl can do that, that's what I want to do. God, if a girl can do that, if a girl is allowed to do that, that is what I want to do. That's crazy. And that moment changed my life, Ross. I'll never be the same. Wow. Um, 
and who would have thought that, you know, I was just going to a youth group that night and I'm pretty sure our youth pastor was just tired and needed something to, to throw up on the screen maybe. Um, and so youth pastors being encouraged, even if you use a video, maybe God's going to speak to that one heart and it's going to totally uh, set them free um, and set them on a course that will uh, hopefully change, you know, the future of the world and the church and at least change the world for, for somebody else. And so, um, at that time, you know, I was thinking about the future. I was thinking about college and, um, I decided to go, uh, to be a teacher and, um, I, uh, had taken like a, like a, like a minor or double major in, um, some Bible classes. Cause I was yeah. at a, I was at a Christian college and, um, I was in a, in a church service when I turned 19 years old and, um, it was actually on, uh, New Year's Eve of that year. I had just turned 19. I was a freshman in college. It was, um, it was a moment that again, just marked me forever. Um, I knew God was asking me something, but I couldn't really discern what it was. And a man named John, who's been a friend of my family for a long time, came over and said, I sense that you're wrestling with something. I mean, he had a word for me. He said, Lauren, I, I believe that you're called, and um, I think God is asking you to surrender to whatever that might mean for your life. And and it's funny because John was called at this same event in the same context uh, to ministry as well, and so he got to lead me wow. in surrendering my life That's to funny. the call of ministry. Um, and at that time, you know, I was going to be a teacher, so I assumed it was kids ministry, and so sure. I... Um, I ended up uh, serving a summer uh, in another state doing some kids ministry, uh, some backyard Bible club stuff. And I'll be honest with you, Ross, like kids ministry is not for me. I do it <laughs> when I need to do it because the body of Christ needs me yeah. to serve. But kids ministry, I knew it wasn't where I belonged, but I found myself connecting with the moms of the kids who would come. Okay. And as I'm exploring and I'm reading more about, you know, life and ministry, God in his kindness, just confirmed, Lauren, you've got a voice that, that I want women to, to listen to. And so as he is, you know, giving me opportunities and opening the door and all of a sudden these churches are calling me and saying, Hey, we're having a Wednesday. Would you come share? And I was like, what, <laughs> how did you know that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but in my mind, I was just like, okay, Lord, this is your confirmation. You know, his provision as you well know, often reflects his will. And so mm -hmm. as he provided opportunities for me to go and be with women and to minister to them and to look them in the eye and pray over them and, and, and challenge them and encourage them, it became clear that that was the lane for me. And he was just so, you know, he, he was just so gentle about his his directional um, work in my life that it became very clear to me he did not want me to miss it and that's what I want you know um, yeah. the the audience that you serve to hear is that if God is calling you to some sort of vocational ministry he's not going to let you miss it um, and I know that we're all running around you know going what's my purpose right. and I would say you know I was just seeking the Lord. I was just being faithful where I stood. And in that process of doing what he asked me to do, when he asked me to do it, trying to obey his commands from his book, he led me into the place that I needed to be. And so, you know, in First Thessalonians 5, it talks about, 
you know, uh, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. Um, there's one more, but, um, I'm having trouble remembering it right now, but essentially that is true. If we do those things, it will lead us into greater opportunities to do what he's opening the door for us to do. If he sees us be faithful and little, um, but being in college, I was at a Baptist college. And so it was uh, different for a girl. Um, it was different. Uh, and, you know, I heard some of the things that I'm sure other ladies who have experienced um, life and ministry have heard. Um, some of the unkind things that people can say. Um, and they didn't come from my professors. They came from other students, specifically male students. And so I would mm. say this. Um to the men who are who are listening to this podcast and may have and even women who may have different views on on women in ministry than I do um, based on God's word I can see um, that you know I can see where people would come to the understanding that they have that some of them have that that women uh, shouldn't be on the pulpit and things like that um, I cannot excuse unkindness um, so I can I can I can agree to disagree but I, I don't, I don't think that we have to be unkind in our words and our actions toward people who may have a different doctrinal understanding. Um, and I experienced unkindness from people, unfortunately, but, um, at one point in my college career, uh, I decided I'm not gonna, um, be a teacher. I'm not going to have a backup plan. This is going to be my plan. I'm going to board ministry. I know he'll open the door. Yeah, And so I dropped my major and my parents, especially my dad, were very uncomfortable with that um, because it felt like I was uh, letting go of the parachute on my back. <laughs> and I was just dropping out of the sky with no uh, safety net at all. And so it made them uncomfortable. But I had purposed in my heart that um, I wanted to I wanted to work in, for the body of Christ. I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to whatever that was going to look like, I was going to trust God's provision. And so um, on my way out of college, I had a big uh, final paper and I sat down with my professor and I said, sir, I've heard a lot of people say that girls can do this. I've heard a lot of people say that girls can't do this. I want to know if God says that I can't do it. Yeah. And if he says that I shouldn't be on a pulpit, I'll never be on one again. He said, I, I like your spunk. <laughs> and I wrote my paper on First Timothy 2, 9 through 15, that says uh, where Paul writes that he does not permit a woman to teach. And he goes on to talk about Eve and some other things. And um, I studied that passage for a very long time. And um, I told God, if you shut this door, I will honor it and I'll find something else to do with my life. And um, instead of shutting that door, he opened the door for me to continue in ministry. Um, and I began to feel God asking me the question as I read Paul's writing, what would Paul rather have? A woman who has studied and theologically correct because she has taken the time to learn it or a man who's not? What would he rather have on his pulpit? Yeah. And um, in that um, brought a lot of freedom for me, um, came, a lot of, uh, came a lot of settling in my heart that I knew even if not all women are called to be on the pulpit, that there were multiple accounts of women in the scriptures who were teaching even then. And that even if, if not all women are called, there are some who are. And I knew 
um, not to sound haughty at all, because this is, I take it very seriously. I will give account to God for every ear who's ever heard me speak his word. Um, but in that process, you know, I was able to be set free to say, even if, you know, even if they're just like certain Priscilla's out there, I'm a Priscilla. That's oh. what I'm, that's my job in the body of Christ. Even if there are certain Phoebe's out there and not everybody is, I'm a Phoebe. I want to be a Phoebe. I want to be a Priscilla. And so that just brought me so much freedom. And now I operate from this perspective. Um, their pulpit is my permission. Their uh, lectern is my permission. That microphone is my permission. Um, and if I don't get a lectern or microphone, that's okay. It's not the space that I'm supposed to be in. Um, but their invitation is my permission to share God's word with whoever's sitting in the pews. And I'm not going to be heard if other people have different views or opinions. Um, but I think everybody can be kind to each other in the body of Christ, even if we agree to disagree. So um, I see a lot of women who um, go to churches where they're taught that women should not lead from the front, but they're in the back relegated and maybe relegated isn't the right word, but they're doing kids ministry and they're working with our most vulnerable population yeah. within the body of Christ. Good point. So we say you can teach kids who are incredibly impressionable and may not be able to discern the spirit. But you can't teach adults who should be able to do that. To me, that is, that's a bit hypocritical, I think. And um, I think we need to even it out. You know, if we say that women can't do those things, then men should be in the back teaching kids too, because they're the sure. most, they're, they're the most in need of protection in our churches. And so what we do is we say, that's a woman's job. So if a woman's job is to shape the youngest and most impressionable minds in our church, to me, that's a higher calling than standing on the pulpit. So, um, I think that I think that churches need to be consistent. That's all I'm saying. So, I'm gonna step off my soapbox <laughs> and uh, uh, just remind the church that God made male and female uh, in His image, and I believe that you know there is there is the the element of a father heart of God, and there's also these you know, we read in Isaiah 49, can a woman forget a child in her womb and have not compassion? You know, that is, that is a, that is a, a, a motherly language that we're seeing God expressing. And he says that surely, even if she does, I will not forget you. And so there is this idea that we get to reflect God's character in a way that men don't. Mm -hmm. And um, men get to reflect God's character in a way that women don't. And together we offer a, a fuller picture of the image of God um, rather than a part. That's good. That's so good. I, it, It's nice because you have such a great perspective on it and you lead with such grace and truth in it. And um, there's a lot of people like we here at, uh, at Life Church, we, we have uh, women pastors and I'll be honest, the, the women pastors who preach and stuff like they're, they're like, I look up to them with, like they have so much wisdom and so much that I can even learn from. And I don't look at them as like, Oh, they're a woman. They, they, they don't have enough to be able to do this well type of mentality because I've never, I've just never seen that. I've seen them go to great heights and great lengths, um, to honor and respect and, uh, revere the word of the Lord. Um, and I just think that, I think that ultimately there are a lot of young people these days who, um, w like young women, especially who feel a call in the ministry, but they don't know 
what that looks like. And I've, I've heard many a times people say like, uh, women in ministry, like is a, a job in itself, being a woman in ministry and like, um, and having to overcome certain stereotypes that some people, depending on your upbringing will bring into it. You know what I mean? So, um, mm-hmm. I just think that you do such, you do such a great job at, um, at bringing the word, um, and staying true to the word. And anybody who cr- tries to come and say that, say that you, uh, that you, you know, don't belong on a stage or, 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 or don't have what it takes because you're a woman. I just, just in my relationship with you, knowing you and, and how awesome and how great you deliver the word and, and bring, put so much honor on it. I, uh, I, I just, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, no, that's not true. <laughs> and I just kind of <laughs> push it off. That hasn't happened yet, but I'm just saying if it does, I'd be like, no, I got Lauren's back. <laughs> that ain't happening. Um, but Thanks, bro. My entourage is strong and I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good to have. I, I remember one time uh, we were on sabbatical and so we were visiting um, a different church and I went in and I sat down and lots of people that I love that, you know, worship at this church. And so we're greeting our friends and um, from the start of the, of, of the service until the end of the service, not one woman on the stage, not playing an instrument, not, you know, that Sunday. Now I, I, you know, I'm sure that maybe other Sundays they have, you know, female worship leaders and stuff, but not one woman on that stage. And I sat there with my girls next to me and uh, my heart was grieved because my girls need to see that they have a very, very unique place in the body of Christ. And I don't want them to be men. They're girls. They're women. I want them to embrace the way that God made them. And I also want them to see women who are you know, being strong and and humble and being sacrificial and being, um, you know, uh, aware of their need to serve God in the church. And I want them to see that. And it grieved me that day. And I thought, you know what, I hope one day that a mom brings her girls and I'm teaching somewhere and a girl says to her mom or to her youth pastor, you know, like I did when I was 15 or 16, if a girl can do that, that's what I want to do with my life. That's what I want to give my life for. Yeah. So I pray that somebody else will have that experience one day that I was able to have. And, um, one day in heaven, I hope to be able to thank Chris and, in her, uh, New Zealander Aussie accent, uh, for, uh, seeing somebody who helped me know that, um, I had a place in the body of Christ, a unique opportunity. Yeah. And and it's funny because often you'll see like a lot of, uh, like uh, a lot of lead pastors and campus pastors even are are men. But, um, like I say, I say it to my congregation all the time, um, because there is that stigma of, uh, being a pastor's wife and, Mm -hmm. and what that weight can carry. Uh, I know Kelsey and I, Mm -hmm. she had brought up like, she feels at times like pressure or, or, or this, this weight, certain image she has to carry, uh, being a pastor's wife. And I just try to reassure her in my own words, but I tell the congregation all the time, like y'all, y'all may see me as pastor Ross, but like I view Kelsey just as much of a pastor because we are one first off. And two, the things that she does behind the scenes, like she doesn't have to be serving anywhere on a Sunday or even during the week. Um, because the things she does behind the scenes to help me and allows me and encourage me to do the work, uh, set before me, that's as much a, a crucial 
as crucial as getting up on the stage and delivering the word, in my own opinion. And I believe that full well. So like whether you're on the platform or or a supporting role in the platform, you have a role, like you said earlier, you have a role in ministry. Not saying that you can't be on the platform, but like even if you don't, don't feel like the call for, for you as a woman is to be on the platform, uh, your role mm-hmm. could be as a wife to somebody who is, and that is just as vital and just as important as being on the platform itself. Uh, that's kind of how I view it. So I don't I, know. I think, I think that pastors, you know, pastors, wives, the pastors, wives that I've met have just as much love for their church. They grieve just yeah. as hard when things are broken. They mourn, mm-hmm. they, they travail for their church family. Yeah. They carry that. They, they help, you know, shoulder that burden. It talks about in Galatians six, you know, um, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm telling you, pastors, wives, do that every day. And I, I know that I have not done it perfectly, but, um, you won't find, uh, most times pastor's wives who are healthy, you will not find a bigger cheerleader for the church than your pastor's wife. And I just want to say this too, October's coming up. Um, it's knocking on our door and that is pastor appreciation month. And so if you reach out to your pastor, I just want to challenge you to reach out to your pastor's wife as well, um, because mm, she good. is busy um, is busy setting a home for him uh, so that when he walks through the door, he has a refuge and a safe place from the attack of the enemy, yeah. from um, the, the, you know, the scoffers in the world and, and things like that. And she's also uh, helping him set the table for you every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So uh, just remember her and pray for her because, there have been very strategic spiritual attacks on our family that have manifested because of our ministry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that our, our church prayer, you know, our, our church's prayers have, have sheltered us from feeling some of the heat of that. So I'm really grateful for them in so mm. many ways. And you know what? It's an honor. It's an honor. It is a, it is a privilege um, to serve with kids ministry. It is a privilege yeah. to serve, that's hard work. Um, you, know, it's, it's, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, wherever God is calling you. And, yeah. and, and I happen to be on the stage, but let me tell you what, when I'm not on the stage in, in, and, uh, when I'm serving in those places, I meet God just as much, if not more in, in the places that are unseen. And so I, if I'm speaking to a young woman who's like, I don't feel called to, to, you, you know, preach, I, I, I feel called to do this. Yeah. I just want to encourage you that wherever you are called, I want you to give your whole heart there. I want mm-hmm. you to be all there. I want you to invest. I want you to figure out where you can serve and begin to serve there because God has a role for you to play on the team and we need you on the field. We yeah. need you um, serving with us. We need, we need um, what God has placed inside of you. That's good. And, and, uh, just, just the word that you're bringing, um, is that of encouragement. Ultimately you're, you're, you provide hope, um, in, in for some people who feel like there is no hope, uh, to, to do ministry, or maybe they feel like they don't even know where to start. Um, so I don't know, uh, before we go, I, if you have one thing that you could say, uh, to a young woman or even an older woman who, who's just now realizing that, you know, they're feeling called to ministry. What is the one thing, um, that you would give? And I know it's probably hard to, to, to bring it down to just one thing, but advice on like where to start, how to start, 
um, and, and, and how to walk, walk through that, make that choice. So I don't know that I can narrow it down to one, but I can narrow it down to two. Is that okay? okay. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Number one is you need to be in your Bible. You need to know your Bible. You need to learn oh, your good. Bible. And if there are, you know, if there are places you need to go, if there are resources you need to invest in, if there are, are, are pastors and leaders in your church that you need to talk to so that you can know your Bible, um, that's, that's number one for every believer. Um, in order to know this God that we serve, we have to read his book. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to know your Bible. And if that's, you know, if you're teaching, you know, if, if you're doing anything in ministry, that is our first and best opportunity uh to represent god to this world to represent him um and we don't want to lose anything because we didn't know what he said so learn know read study your bible get in a class take a take a class at a local college you invest in the opportunity that we have to know god through his word um and the other thing i would say is um find humility um because this world has enough prideful leaders, uh, and we do not need any more. We need men and women of humility who choose not to care whether um, they are cleaning the toilets, whether they are washing out dishes in the church. We need people who know how to serve. We've got plenty of people who know how to write three catchy phrases and stand on a stage and tell you that. Um, what, What this next generation is going to be blessed for is their humility and their servanthood. And so um, in a world where everybody is elevated because they're, they're creative or they're charismatic, God in his kingdom is elevating people who are servants. So I wonder um, how, how your servanthood is. Do you serve at your church? Do you do something that maybe you don't love to do as a tithe to God. Do you honor him with your time and your energy and your money? Because if you say you love the house of God, you say you want to serve the house of God, let, let the church see that. Um, because if, if you're only dedicated to the house of God, when you get to stand on a stage, um, in front of everybody and tell people what you think about the house of God, that's not real dedication to the house of God. You want to grow the house of God, you begin to serve. You begin yeah. to see the cashier at the grocery store and see her as uh, as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus every day. You know, I go into places um, and I, you know, stand on stages, but let me tell you what they'll remember is how I treated them at my table later when they've got something to tell me and they have a pressing need. Am I too busy to take my time and to minister to them? If the toilet overflows, am I willing to go help clean it up? You know, these things are what really, um, help people see Jesus in us, not what I say on the stage, but whether I live it out when I walk off of it. And so, um, you know, if you say you love the house of God, be dedicated to the word of God. Um, if you say you love the house of God, serve the house of God where you are and not mm-hmm. just waiting for an opportunity to grow a platform or to do all these yeah. things and really love the house of God. When, when the hot dogs run out, will you go across the street to the grocery store to buy more with your own money? Let's you know, go. those kinds of things. Um, because it's easy to say, I am called to the body of Christ. It is harder to live mm. called to the body of Christ because it is inconvenient sometimes. Um, being a, being an evangelist doesn't mean I just stand on a stage and tell people about Jesus. It means when I'm sitting on the plane, how do I treat my neighbor that has a crying baby? Um, do I love her like Jesus loves her? These are the moments that really determine whether I'm 
uh, living for God's kingdom and I'm called to serve his, his, you know, serve his purposes. It's when I'm exhausted on the plane on the Sunday and there's a crying baby next to me, how am I going to respond or a grumpy old, you know, grumpy old guy next to me? How do I, how do I handle that? Because that's really, that says more about our character than sitting on a stage for 30 minutes and telling, telling people what we think about the Bible. So, um, guard your humility and learn the word of God. That's good. And don't, don't take anything that, that, you know, that, um, not at the point that you're at. I think, you know, if you haven't learned the word of God yet, don't start teaching it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Be wise um, in the way that you allow God to grow you. You know, Paul took a lot of years after he became Paul to learn how to communicate God's word and to learn how to um, respect the body of Christ that he had once persecuted. He took a long time to develop into the leader and the church planter and the the wise man that he was. And we mm. would, we would do well to follow in his example and not try to run before we crawl. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. That's yeah. a good word. Uh, Lauren, what, what if, uh, somebody's listening, they want to know where to find you, um, or even maybe you got some churches, people go to church listening, looking for a women's minister. Where can they find you online on social media, uh, to, to hopefully maybe book you for an event or even just follow along and, and, and follow along with your life. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, like, I'm here for your audience. If they need to email me or they need a, uh, you know, a word of encouragement, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at, at all the things Lauren. Um, you can find me at laurenalexander.live if you'd like to, um, if you'd like to have me come and, and serve and, and love on your church ladies, we would love to do that. There's a booking form on my website at laurenalexander.live. And um, I don't know when this is going to air, but on October 13th and 14th, I'm hosting a retreat down here in Southern Indiana. Um, and it is going to be uh, a study of the Old Testament tabernacle and the holiness of God. And Jesus is our great high priest. So we are gearing up for that in two weeks. Um, that'll be on October 13th and 14th. They can find out more about that if they want to make the trip. It's beautiful down here this time of year. We got yeah, lots of leaves turning. Um, that's going to be, uh, on our website as well, if they want to learn more and you can find me on Facebook at backslash all the things with Lauren Alexander. And thank you, Ross, so much. Thank you for speaking into this generation and for listening to, um, somebody who is a little bit further down the line than you. I don't want to say old, but I am getting older, hopefully wiser seasoned is a great word. I thank you for being one of the uh, voices to this generation who's willing to listen to the people who went ahead of you. So thank Amen. you for that. I honor you. I honor, honor your ministry and God bless you for what you're doing. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. I appreciate it. Take care.